Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Place. I am joined here by my co-hosts, Colin Hansel and Ben Schmidt. And today, we are going to be talking about uh, college tournaments, conference tournaments. We have uh, NFL free agent tags, and we have This Week in Sports. And we're going to get right into it. We have six automatic bids already. So six teams we know that are playing in the NCAA tournament. We have Liberty out of the Atlantic Sun, Winthrop out of the Big South, Loyola Chicago out of the Missouri Valley, Moorhead State out of the Ohio Valley, UNC Greensboro out of the Southern, and Appalachia State out of the Sun Belt Conference. So out of those six teams, do any of them stand a chance to make the Sweet 16? Loyola Chicago definitely yeah. does. They definitely have the best chance because they're going to get the best seed out of those teams that you just listed. Yeah, because they're going to get like a five seed potentially. They could. Um, yeah, I think they'll be top. They'll definitely be like a top seven seed. They got to be. Um, they Yeah, they could get a five seed. UNC Greensboro is also really good. Um, Their best player, Isaiah Miller, uh, I think he's maybe NBA talent. He's so good. And I think, you know, having a guy like that can be huge upset potential. I don't know about Sweet 16, but them and and Winthrop, I can definitely see winning a game. Yeah, because I'm looking right now. Winthrop is 23-1 and this year. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't suck. And you know what? Uh, Liberty also, I think, has a decent chance because they were in this thing two years ago and they beat, I believe, five seed Mississippi State. So yep. they're another team that definitely has a chance. Yeah, I know Liberty's always had like a – whenever they get in, they usually have some decent teams out there. The other one I want to mention, UNC Greensboro, not a very high seed. But I think this is the first time they've made the tournament since 1991. Mm. So, uh, well, welcome to the tournament, UNC. Greensboro, that is. Um, to go along with the six automatic bids, we have five championships on this, uh, I guess, Super Tuesday, we should call it. Um, of the five championships, we have the CAA championship of Elon and Drexel. Um, I know a couple of the uh, higher seeds in that uh, conference got upset. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, Elon is another team. They are the eight seed. Drexel's the six seed. Elon has never made the tournament in their program's history. So interesting. They're down well, five. Make that eight currently right now. Um, if they were to pull it off, that'd be a great story. Uh- out of the Northeastern Conference, we have Mount St. Mary's and Bryant. Um, do we know anything about those teams? Because I sure shit don't. Um, Bryant, I know they were the two seed. So um, they, were, they were pretty much expected to get there. Uh, the only, like, uh, I want to say Power 5 team they played this year, Syracuse. It was really early in the season. They lost by one. So, um they're legit. Okay. okay. They are down um, out of five. Okay. 
out of the Horizon League, as I think we've mentioned in our last episode with Grayson, a lot of crazy games. We have Oakland and Cleveland State. Cleveland State is up in the second half by 14. Um, I think Cleveland State was one of the higher seeds in this tournament. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think they potentially can win a game. I mean, they went 16-4 and four alone in the Horizon League. So I think they're, they're very capable of being like a lower, like a, around a 12-13 seed upset, one of those higher seeds. I, I had a feeling um, their first game in the conference tournament, um, Purdue-Fort Wayne took them to triple OT. And once they pulled that out, I kind of had a feeling that they were past their little scare and that they'd probably go on to win the tournament. So um, I'm not surprised by that. And Oakland has probably been the biggest surprise or one of the bigger surprises of all of this. Um, they're 12 and 17 on the season. They did play a lot of good teams early in the year, like Michigan, Purdue, Oklahoma State. But, um, yeah, very surprised they made it this far. Out of the Summit League, we have Oral Roberts and North Dakota State. I know in the past, North Dakota has uh, has had some pretty decent teams make the tournament. I think they won a game, I want to say, like three or four years ago. Um, so they're a team to definitely watch out for. They're the higher seed. That game starts – at around uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. North Dakota State, the, the football school. Yes. They uh, Powerhouse. They, you know what? They're I think they're 0-1 in football now, and they uh, might make the big dance basketball school. Quite Maybe. possibly. Um, and then finally, the final tournament we have today, the West Coast Conference Tournament. BYU at Gonzaga. Gonzaga 15-0 in the conference, 25-0 this season, and the number one seed as of right now in all of college basketball. Um, if BYU loses, let's just say, because they prop more, they're more than likely going to lose. BYU loses. Is there any shot they can get into the tournament? I don't I don't think so. Um I think they should have a little more of a chance than some of these experts are giving them credit for. I mean, if you look at Lenardi's latest bracketology, or I mean, even just as like listing some of the bubble teams, you don't really see them on there. I think BYU deserves a little more credit because they have beaten some quality programs this year and they're second in the conference. They're 20 and five. But um, they don't see it that way. They're going to need a win tonight, it looks like, to get in. So, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for them to pull it off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that is what's happening today and has already happened so far in college basketball. Obviously, Saturday and Sunday, we get some of the bigger conference tournaments like the uh, Big Ten, the SEC. The ACC actually already started today. Not really any big upsets. Uh, Duke played today. They kind of whooped Boston College's ass. Um, but for the most part, um, we're we're very excited for conference tournaments. And Sunday, we get our official bracket. You boys ready? I'm ready. Never next, been next, next week's show, we might just do an entire show talking talking about our bracket, talking about our thoughts, <laughs> some teams we could potentially see make a run, a couple Cinderella teams. We shall see. Um, I think that's going to wrap up college basketball. Real quick, 
here's here's my idea for us as a show. I think the three of okay. us should pick one like low seed with like good odds and just just like all of us put like ten dollars on it just for fun. Like it's all just like bandwagon. I know Colin's a big Iowa fan, so that's gonna be conflicting rooting interest. And I have Mizzou, but let's just find like a like a low seed with good odds and let's just let's just bandwagon onto them for the tournament. So by low seed, it. you mean like do you mean like twelve seed or worse? I would say somewhere in that range, just okay. in case something wild happens. Okay, I'd definitely be down. That would be yeah. I love that idea. Love I, that idea. I've uh, I know ever since the Nationals won the World Series two years ago, before that playoffs, I really wanted to get my dad to go in with me just as a random bet because they had like low odds. They were a wild card team. And I just thought it'd be fun. And then obviously they go on and win the World Series. And ever since then, like, I always think back to that for all playoffs. It's like, okay, what's, what's going to be the low-ranked team this year that I'm going to regret not going in on? Because I was on that Nationals team early on, and I regret not pushing a little bit harder to put some money on it. No, that's a good idea. Um, imagine we did that for UNBC, how much money we would have made. Yeah. I would have been – I need to Google that, look at what the odds were. Like because that wasn't, even, that wasn't even just an upset. It was the number one team against the last team in the tournament. Yes. Something we may never see again. I remember watching that live. Oh, crazy. But all right, let's get into our free agent tags. Obviously, today at, I think, 3 p.m. Eastern was the deadline for players to get franchise tagged. So, Ben, why don't you go ahead and read off the list of players we saw get franchise tagged today. Okay. And we'll we'll discuss that for a little bit. So, yeah, you're right. Today was the last day. And even though players got tagged today, they have through the middle of the July to work out a long-term deal. Actually, one of the 10 players that did get tagged was Prescott, and we know that he already got a deal. So that knocks off one of the, the 10 that was tagged. For the other nine, um, there were a couple surprises, some that we kind of saw coming. Chris Godwin, we didn't totally know who in Tibbe they'd use the tag on. They go to Godwin, so they keep a receiver for Brady. Um, Marcus May stays for the New York Jets. He gets a tag. Taylor Moton, who I actually talked about when we did the draft a couple weeks ago, really good young tag for the Panthers. Allen Robinson, problems could ensue there. I'm sure we'll get to that because he, I don't think, was happy about the tag. Cam Robinson, tackle for the Jaguars. Brandon Sheriff, really good guard for the uh, Washington football team, only 29. Wouldn't be surprised if he signs a long-term deal. Justin Simmons, underrated safety in Denver. Leonard Williams, back with the Giants. Um, I already mentioned Prescott got the long-term deal, so that's taken care of. And then the last one, this was honestly surprising. Marcus Williams, Sage for the Saints. Not that he doesn't deserve it. It's just where are they getting the money from for that. So those were our yeah. 10. Real quick, just to go over some people who weren't tagged. Aaron Jones going into free agency, although they still expect the Packers are going to pursue him. Kenny Galladay, not a huge surprise. I know Detroit's trying to set, shed some cap and kind of start over uh, under football guy Dan Campbell. Chris Carson. Seattle shedding cap. They already mentioned that. Um, another one for Seattle, Shaquille Griffin. And then the last two other notable ones, both tight ends, Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. So all six of those will hit the open market. And honestly, out of those six, I could see at least five out of them changing teams, maybe even all six. So those were the franchise tags. And uh, yeah, like I said, out of the, the 10, the, the nine that still don't have long-term deals have till July. To get going, imagine the uh, you know, Green Bay. Uh, obviously, Aaron Jones is a free agent right now. Imagine they decide to 
spend their money elsewhere on like Kenny Galladay? What if they try hard to bring him in since, you know, like maybe a guy like Allen Robinson isn't an option now. Maybe they go hard for a guy like him to stay in the division. You think that would is a I would I would love that as a green if I was a Green Bay Package fan, and I think that's a great idea just for the organization. Um, not that I don't think Aaron Jones isn't a great player, but I love what I saw in AJ Dillon in limited time, and they can still have a one-two punch with Dillon and Jamal Williams. And not that all running backs are replaceable, but a large portion of them are. And I think in Green Bay's offensive scheme, and just based on the loan that the talent that AJ Dillon has, they drafted him for a reason. I think for sure, because if Devontae Adams gets hurt, they don't have a top receiving weapon. That's just a, everyone knows that. So getting a Kenny Galladay would easily make them NFC contenders at the top once again. I'm not too confident in the Packers uh, re-signing Aaron Jones. Um, I think they're going to better use their money somewhere, uh, some other places, mostly on that defense. The Kennedy Galladay point is a good point. I think he'd actually be a very good uh, wide receiver to complement to Devontae Adams, especially in that system. Um, but for me personally, I more see it as the Packers maybe target, targeting a receiver in like the second or third round because we obviously know they are anti-drafting skill players in the first round. I can see them going after Bateman, too, at the back of the first round. If he falls, yeah. he's kind of moving up draft boards a little bit. Some people Bateman's, really like Bateman's a guy I love. Bateman's a so, guy. Yeah, so do I. Where yeah. he, he, I, I'm not sure what wide receiver he is right now. I love him as a top four receiver in this yeah. draft behind I, Chase, Waddle, and Devontae Smith. The comparison is great I, for Green Bay. The comparison I made was to last year where everyone had Ruggs, Judy, and CD is like the tier one. And then Jefferson was in the second tier, but like 1A. And yeah. I think that's kind of my comparison with Bateman, where not saying he's going to be Justin Jefferson, but he could easily in a right system have the best season out of all of them. And it's, it's if he falls you in the later picks of the first round, it's not like you're getting a like much worse receiver. Like he's basically the top of that second tier. Cause I feel like everyone has Waddle um, Smith and chase as their top three. And a lot of people aren't mentioning Bateman, but he's kind of one. A. When you well, talk about like, the tier oh, two, when you talk about like the tier two receivers um, also from the big 10, I think he'd be maybe an even better fit for them is Rondell Moore. Yes. Um, I think he, he's super talented. We know what he's capable of. I think he would be a great fit there. And yeah, you're right. If you're willing, if you're not willing to take one of those trade up and take a top tier receiver, there's definitely plenty of options. It's another deep class. Well, I also see uh, the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. He's starting to kind of fall down draft boards, mostly because he uh, just of his small frame. And I'm and I'm wondering. I'm I'm very interested to see where he's going to fall because I thought even with his small frame. Just the pure skill he has at the wide receiver position, he could be a top ten pick. But I've looked at a couple mock drafts; they have they have fallen around like seventeen, eighteen. Minnesota. There you go, Minnesota. No, I think um, I think Jamar's he, the best receiver, but I'm not discrediting Devonta Smith at all. I feel like he shouldn't really be falling as far as some people have him. Yeah. Uh, we I know the draft is at the end of April, so we have a lot of time 
to talk about uh, the NFL draft, but it's going to be very interesting because we, we still have to see if the number two pick or the number three pick, uh, the Jets or the Dolphins, if they're going to trade that for Deshaun Watson. We could potentially, there's rumors that like the 49ers are looking to move up, the Saints are looking to move up. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks for not only the wide receiver position, but the quarterback position. Well, let's get back to this franchise tag. Kind of went a little off traffic here, a little off topic. Um, out of the guy, I guess the number one guy to get franchise tag today was probably Allen Robinson. Um, he was a guy, he's a weapon the Bears needed to bring back, although most people thought he – he may not return to Chicago because because of the lack of quarterback play. So let me ask you this. Does Allen Robinson, obviously he's outspoken about not liking the franchise tag. He has been for years now. Does a guy like Allen Robinson be mad at the organization and not liking the franchise tag push Chicago to get a guy like Russell Wilson? I mean – I don't love buying into Twitter likes because we saw some of the things that Al Robinson liked on Twitter today about how much he hates the franchise tag, but this is something he's been outspoken about for like years prior. So it's not kind of something that's came out of nowhere. It's he just kind of re-upped his statement after the tag came out today. I honestly, I'm hoping it doesn't get ugly. I don't think Allen Robinson is the type of player to kind of pull that, and, and not want to play, but I don't think he's going to be happy. And if they don't work out a long-term deal, I see almost no way he's there past this year. But I think, I think it's going to be tough because I don't, in the end, I don't think Seattle will end up trading Russell Wilson. So I don't think this franchise tag is really going to affect that. I know Chicago's got a massive offer on the table for both him and Watson, which they should. But I, in the end, I just think, I don't think Seattle would, would it, pull off a Russell Wilson trade. Yeah. Um, you Well, Seattle is not going to trade Russell Wilson unless Wilson were to demand it, I believe. Um, I just can't see them trading that type of talent without, you know, him pushing them to do so, not really giving them another option. And this Allen Robinson thing, Allen Robinson thing is interesting because like you said, he – has been outspoken about it. Um, and if they come back next year with Mitch Trubisky and or Nick Foles in the quarterback room, um, that would just only add on to it. And they're not looking like they're having many more options right now. Should they go after a Ryan Fitzpatrick? Sure. I don't, maybe that's the one year solution until they can find something better. Um, but if they aren't able to land a Russell Wilson or the Sean Watson, who they have been linked with in talks, um, I think this definitely could get a little ugly, or at least, you know, we could see Robinson continue, continue to be unsatisfied. Yeah, I, uh, I would, I was scrolling through Twitter and I don't know, it was some probably random account, or maybe it was even Colin Coward our guy, Colin Coward, but um, uh, a very interesting point brought up. I think a good idea for the Bears is maybe going out, drafting a guy like Mac Jones, McCorkle Jones, as we call him, and um, signing a guy like Alex Smith. Now, Alex Smith obviously isn't an elite quarterback, 
especially after his gruesome leg injury. But if you remember a couple years back, uh, actually Mahomes this first year, Mahomes sat on the bench a year behind Alex Smith, and the offensive coordinator for that Chiefs team was Matt Nagy. So I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to turn into this Mahomes stud, but we've seen this work in the past, not only in this sort of system, but we've seen it if guys sit behind a starter for a full season, they start to develop a little easier. So do you think drafting a young quarterback and then having him sit behind a guy, whether that be an Alex Smith or Ryan Fitzpatrick, or even Nick Foles, who they already have, is a good idea for the Bears? I honestly, just based on previous history, could see the Bears getting Alex Smith in free agency and then just not drafting a young quarterback. I, I, as not <laughs> smart as that sounds, one, I think they would have to move up a couple picks to get Mac Jones, and I don't know if they, if they necessarily want to do that. I don't know their thoughts on Mac Jones, but I don't know if they'd want to move up, and I feel like they would view Alex Smith as a starter more than a mentor. So I could see them I, – I feel like they, with their defense, would use that pick on like an offensive lineman – or an other area of need, and then just sign Alex Smith to be their starter, or go, or run it, or attempt to run it back with Nick Foles. I don't necessarily know at the pick that they're at if I see them making a move at a young quarterback. I think they're at the twentieth pick. I could be. Wrong. I think they it's... would. I think they would need to go up like maybe five or six, maybe even a few more to get Mac. Well, Jones. the issue with them is the pick directly before them is Washington. And we yeah. know Washington's currently looking for a quarterback. Cause I think the only quarterback on our roster right now is the goat Taylor Heineke. Uh, never forget the Taylor Heineke game, but they're going to need someone else. I can't see Mac Jones getting any farther past Washington. Even then I still think he's gone four or five picks before that. I think if he's sitting there, Maybe if, if at 14, the, he's there from Minnesota, Washington, who sees teams like New England and stuff like that sitting there like 15 and 16, wherever they're at, they Washington tries to move up from 19 to 14 or 15 and go get Mac Jones. I definitely could see that as a spot. I'm a Mac Jones believer. I I mean, if they were to – because you're right, he, he is going higher on draft boards now. And if they were to make a move up for him, I mean, I wouldn't criticize him for it. Um, but yeah, I, (laughs) if they were to bring in just like a veteran Alex Smith type guy, and that was their plan, I, it's, 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 it's just not looking good. They've had such a terrible history with quarterbacks. Agreed. Agreed. And then I want to talk about, um, who is who was the other receiver that got franchise tag? Chris Godwin. 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 Tampa. Yes. Yes. Tampa. So Tampa had a couple guys that I think were eligible for the franchise tag. Uh, it was Levante David, Chris Godwin, and Shaq Barrett. We already know what happened with the Levante David. We'll bring that up in uh, this week in sports. But do you think franchise tagging Godwin was the right move, or should they have franchise tagged Shaq Barrett, or maybe? Levante David, even though they just signed him to an extension. I honestly do think that was the best option. One, I being able to already have worked out a deal with Levante David helps. It's a two-year deal. We'll talk about that more. But we all know, I think Tampa's smart enough to not give him huge receiver money. He's a really quality receiver, fits great in their system. Brady likes him. 
but I feel like Tampa is smart enough not to commit to him long-term and use a long-term deal. I could totally see them going another uh, a run at another ring this coming year and then using young talent or signing a, a lower-tier receiver next offseason. And that way, this is a team that thrived on defense. They locked up Levante David, and then they have a much better shot now that they're not paying big receiver money to lock up Shaq Barrett as well. I think it was a smart decision based on a team that had a lot of success in the playoffs on defense. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, Tom loves him. Tom Brady, that is. And, I mean, I I think you don't want to really mess with that receiving court too much because, like, Antonio Brown was successful there, but there's still question marks around him. And what if one – what if he was to get injured and then it's like – you don't have Chris Godwin. You don't have Antonio Brown. You're relying more on like Scotty Miller. I don't know. It's I I I like it. If they can still find a way to retain Shaq Barrett, um, I mean none of this even matters. Hopefully they still can from their viewpoint. If not though, Shaq Barrett is certainly easily one of the hottest commodities on the market, for sure. Agreed. I bet. 31 other teams would be interested in signing him. Yep. Yep. All right. And I think that's going to wrap up our uh... – real, real quick, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. On the topic of football, I want to go on a little uh, rant about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh, go for it. So Gruden comes in and, you know, brings in Mike Mayock. You know, Khalil Mack is traded. They get these picks, all this money. For me, when Khalil Mack was traded, um, it was almost a little bit more about all the money that they have to spend in free agency. What do they do with that money? They they sign uh, Trent Brown. They sign Tyrell Williams. They sign LaMarcus Joyner. All gone. Cor- they signed Corey Littleton last offseason. Uh, he's barely still on the roster. They signed Carl Nassib, a uh, terrible signing. They signed Jeff Heath in the as a safety. He didn't do anything. I think it's about time people start to uh, question Gruden and Mayock for the jobs they've done in mainly free agency, um, also a little bit in the draft. Jonathan Abram certainly looks like a bust. I just have to throw this out there. Um, if the Raiders do not have a good offseason and they miss the playoffs again, it might be time for Gruden to go. I know he's got that 10-year deal, but if they can't get it done this year, I'm, I might be I might be past Gruden. In what? This would this is year four of Gruden, correct? Um yeah. Yeah. Yes. So after four years coming in. And if they miss it this year, still will not have made the playoffs. And especially in now two out of three, and then we could see it again this year, they've had second half, I guess, collapses, you could kind of say. Oh, two years in a row. Yeah. And then if, if it were to happen similar to that again this year, where they're in it and miss out at the end, I could, I think it'd be, it'd be hard to justify because you could totally think back to success years ago, but you can't after four years, I think it's a long enough time to judge whether he's still got it or not. They have spent 
so much money on defense the past couple of years. And both years they get through the toughest part of their schedule in the first half of the season and they're over 500. They hit the weaker part of their schedule. They have defensive collapses. All these guys that they've signed um, do not live up to their potential and they find themselves missing the playoffs. So if that were to happen again and they swing and miss again, because they have money now. Trent Brown had a huge contract. They definitely have money to spend. And if they do a poor job again, um, I might be on the uh, fire Gruden train. Just So want... let, me, let me ask you this. Then. Who do you want the Raiders to target? In free agency, I might have to take a deeper look into that. Um, I mean, I'd like to just say all these top guys, you know, like, oh, I want Shaq Barrett. I want Yannick Nagakwe. Um, I'd have to take another look at it. They just – they got to be smart. They got to get it right this time. And they got to get it right in the draft because last year they drafted Damon Arnett. I mean, we don't he, – he was hurt half the year, and when he played, he wasn't very good. So they got to get it right. They have picks. They have money. They – if Gruden and Mayock miss again, they might be they might both be on their way out. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see it, especially with the uh what we kind of expect the uh, Chargers and the Broncos to kind of be on the upside, and obviously the Chiefs being the Chiefs, it's it's gonna be that's one of the toughest divisions of football. And I mean they haven't made it yet, and they obviously made the giant organization decision in trading Khalil Mack. So I I agree with you on that. Um, but let's go to um, this week in sports. A lot has happened. We have, we have more MLB spring training. We have the NBA All-Star game. And then we obviously have a couple key NFL players getting some signings. So let's start with Ben. Ben, what happened this week in baseball? This and maybe again next week will probably be my shortest segments just because – there has been no new signings. We're basically in spring training. Pitchers are starting to ramp up their innings. Everyone's kind of getting used to new rules. Most, most starters for most teams are really playing every other day at this point. Maybe towards the end of the spring is when we'll start seeing uh, teams get into maybe the last week or so, kind of their everyday lineup. A couple things, both the White Sox and the Cubs, teams we didn't, t- know, didn't necessarily know if they would have fans. They're expected to open the season with – 20% capacity, I believe, both stadiums. So that was a big thing yesterday, especially for a, a big market because Wrigley always is going to have fans no matter how good they are. It's Wrigley Field. And then Chicago White Sox, they're a team that is 100% on the rise. They're a championship contender in the American League. So they're most likely going to have fans this year. So that's big for the city of Chicago. Some other small news, um, Zach Britton, reliever for the Yankees. He's been okay there, not Orioles Zach Britton, but he's been fine. But uh, he's undergoing elbow surgery, so he's going to miss part of the start of the season. So that'll push him back. But the Yankees have plenty of pieces. He wasn't a closer anyway. Chapman is, so he'll he'll be missed. But it's not a, a blow for a blow for New York. They've got plenty of arms in that bullpen. But that's really it for news. We're still in the swing of baseball. Um, uh, who are, who, are, the, who are the some of the better teams in spring trading? I'm curious to know. Who's like at the top of spring training? So I honestly think spring training standings mean absolutely nothing. I'm just going to say it. So I'm not even going to tell you because spring training standings mean nothing to me. I believe well, the Marlins are on top. I, so I believe I think the Marlins. 
had the best record in spring training a couple of years ago. So it means I think I think it was last year and they made the playoffs. So, I know I, mean, I hey. think it was a few years before. This is like the argument when the Browns would go four and zero in the preseason and then finish one and fifteen. Like it's just not the same. These are guys competing, competing for roster spots. They're working their asses off. Sure, they might not be the top tier, but they're guys actually trying. Oh no, I get that. It's just I. If you want to talk about the Cubs being the best team in the league, yeah, sure, it's cool that you hit a walk-off grand slam after a guy who hasn't pitched above double-A and has a six ERA. But that's – you take that as you want. I will. I will take with them. If you really, really want to hear the standings, uh, Miami's 4-1, and one, Detroit's 6-2. and two. Those are kind of the, the top teams in the, uh, in the great free league over in Florida. And then Chicago 6-2, and two, Kansas City, that's your sleeper team, is 7-3. That is my sleeper team. Yeah, and there's – there is um, there's only one team left in all thirty that has only won one game. Uh, they're the other team in Chicago. So, yes, like, like I said, I take zero. It's spring training, very important. I sure. Um, there was that's, one other point. There's there's one other point. I want. Oh, uh, my guy Nico Horner, nine for thirteen this spring. I expect big things from him. I pray to God, David Ross puts him in the leadoff spot this year. Ever since Fowler left, we've struggled with that leadoff spot. I think if Nico Horner – I'm not saying he's going to put up those kind of numbers during the year, but if he can hit above 280 and have a pretty good on-base percentage like he's had this spring, the Cubs find their leadoff guy, get guys on for the middle of the order, which we know can produce. I, I expect big things from the Cubs this year. Once and again. that's – with Horner, that's, that is more important to me than the standings because – that's a guy that's a starter that's playing the beginning innings against like starting pitchers teams best. So to see him get off to a fast start, that's momentum, especially the young player that he can carry over into the regular season, especially a guy that's not established. I already said he's young, but like, I think that's, that's a lot more important to me than the standings. It's seeing, and it's not just for the Cubs, it's all across baseball. It's seeing guys that either are used to slow starts in spring training or, could really use that confidence boost. That's more important because let's say there's a, there's a, let's say the Dodgers who let's, for whatever reason, they're averaging two runs per game across spring training, but they're six and two because their pitching has been outstanding. Like that's still a concern to me. It's not the record. It's the fact that they're just not hitting even when the starters are out of the game for the back half. That's what's the stats and how the starters are playing are what more important to me. So I think the, the Nico Horner point's a good one. It's that's, I think most MLB managers would agree that's more what they're looking at rather than whether you win or lose, especially with the rollover rules and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Colin, let's hear this week in basketball. All right. There's a lot to cover. Um, The big 12 player of the year was announced just the other day and it was given to not Jared Butler, Kay Cunningham. Um, in my opinion, Cunningham is awesome. Uh, will should be the number one pick, but can you agree with me here? I mean, I think Jared Butler definitely deserved it. I, I'm not saying I'm a Baylor like fan because that obviously be bandwagging, but uh, I was on Baylor before the whole shutdown. My pick was Baylor to win the tournament last year, and then hearing all their players returning. I have been, on, I guess you would say, on the Baylor bandwagon all year. Jared Butler has played out of his mind this year. Um, I, you could have made the case he should have been the uh, the national player of the year. 
<laughs> I wouldn't go. That, I wouldn't go that far, but I I think so. So seeing Kate Cunningham win it was a bit of a shock, but I mean, Kate Cunningham, as you mentioned, he is one hell of a player. He's going to be. I mean, he's he's kind of playing a little positionless basketball at Oklahoma State. Is he going in as, as the draft as like a forward of some sort? Uh, I believe I believe he's going in as a guard. A oh, um, guard, okay. I mean, you're right. In Oklahoma State, you got to give him credit though. They are a great team, um, even without him, because they just went and beat um, West Virginia. West Virginia on the road without him, yes. which is very impressive, but. Uh, yeah, Cade's awesome, but I would have given it to Jared Butler. Baylor was my also my preseason pick this year, and they're still my pick to win it right now. Um, in the Big Ten, not much of a surprise. Luca Garza got named Player of the Year. There was some discussion that I would assume was um, could contend uh, for Player of the Year. Then he had his injury um, that kind of kicked him out of the discussion for good, and Luca got named. Uh, Big Ten Player of the Year, and it's looking extremely likely that he will be named National Player of the Year as well. Um, in the Pac-12, Oregon clinched the one seed. I'm very fired up about that. They are on a tear right now, and guard Chris Duarte um, from Oregon just got announced to be Pac-12 Player of the Year. Um, the I'm pretty sure the Big East and ACC – had not named their player of the year yet. And Ben, am I right on this? Alabama, Herbert Jones, I think, got named SEC player of the year. Yes. No, I mean, it was a close argument. I think part of it um, came down just to the fact that Alabama has been the better team. But, yeah, he, he got the award. Yeah. So, I mean, not, I'm not too surprised by that either. I think he's deserving. Um. There's a lot to talk about here with this week in basketball because so much has been happening in college basketball. Um, Loyola Chicago won the Missouri Valley Conference. They beat Drake, and they beat them pretty decently. They Loyola Chicago is legit, we say over and over again. Uh, and Drake is now in a little bit of trouble because they are right on the bubble. They're one of those last four teams in right now according to multiple experts. So it'll be interesting. It's kind of a scary position to be in because you're just relying on other teams to win or lose. Also, we see Boise State on that bubble right now. They got to win Thursday. Yes, big um, game. Big game. I don't know if a win Thursday will lock them in, but I think a loss would kick them out. So big must win on Thursday. Um, let's see. In the Big East, I know I don't think we ever talked about Villanova's injuries. Colin Gillespie is out for the season, and uh, Justin Moore is out for at least the Big East tournament, um, which I think is their second best guard. So Nova is kind of cursed with injuries right now. Uh, you you hate to see it. Um, as good of a team as they are, they're still going to get a good seed, but I'm not liking their chances right now. Uh, Creighton's coach, Greg McDermott, made some comments the other week. Um, very, very questionable comments. He was suspended and recently reinstated. 
Um, just wanted to put that out there. Creighton is probably the favorite to win the Big East right now with Nova injured. I think it's going to be between them and UConn. UConn's soaring right now. They have James Booknight back and healthy. And I think they're one, they're one of my big sleeper teams right now. They're going to be like a seven seed and they're playing like a four seed. So I'm just telling you right now, keep it I like that pick. I like that pick. I think, I think UConn's going to win the big East. I think it's going to come down in between them and Creighton. I think they're my pick right now to win the big East Xavier and Seton hall from the big East are also right on that bubble. Um, I believe at least Seton hall is on the outside looking in. So those teams are definitely going to have to get some wins to make it in. Uh, what else is there? Houston did not win the AAC. Wichita State actually did, won the regular season title. Houston, that was the best moment from this weekend, in my opinion, was that game winner Houston had against Memphis uh, to win the game, shot of the year. Uh, Houston's very impressive top 10 team, and their coaches. I think should be a contender for national national coach of the year. Memphis is also on the outside looking in. They needed that win. And yeah, the last thing I want to note is MSU upset Michigan on Sunday. Are the Spartans dangerous? Yes. They're one of those top teams. Yeah, they're one of those teams that they'll struggle against like a mid-level team. Um, I mean, as they have all year, I think their records under 500 in the big 10, they have one of the lower seats in the big 10, Yeah, but they've beaten number five, Ohio state, number four, Illinois, number two, Michigan. So, I mean, obviously something's going right there. I mean, it's, 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 it's the month of Tom Izzo. Yeah. As we know, he always performs in March. So, um, I, they're a bubble team to get it into the dance. I know that. Yeah, I think I think they're in. I think that win locked them in at least for okay. me. I I still would like to see them win at least a game in the Big Ten tournament for me to be like, all right, they're hundred percent to get in. But yeah, as you're right, they they'll probably end up being one of those like lower kind of lower seeds, maybe around like an eight, nine, ten, eleven, maybe somewhere around there. Um, and they could definitely upset a team that, you know, like a, like a Villanova, let's just say if Villanova matches up against uh, MSU, we could, we could definitely see an upset. Oh yeah. And they play Maryland on Thursday. If they win that, they get to play Michigan again. So that's very, I'd, I'd like to see that for a third time. I think oh, that'd yeah. be interesting. Um, and also this week in basketball, the NBA all-star game just happened uh all-star weekend did it live up to it didn't have much hype but i think it i think it performed the three-point contest was fun uh curry won it on the last the last shot of the three-point contest and the dunk contest was a massive failure um probably maybe the worst ever in my no, opinion, no, 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 no. The worst ever was that one year where they tried the brand the new teams. format. That yeah. that was notoriously bad. Yeah, that was terrible. No one, not a single person enjoyed that. But in my opinion, I think the best dunk was the first dunk 
that Cassius Stanley did. And I feel like a lot of people would agree with you on that. That was the most – that was my favorite dunk, and they gave him a 44 on it. So, If he could have pulled off the one he was attempting in his second dunk, he attempted, I believe, twice. It didn't count as an attempt because he couldn't get it to his other hand. But there's videos of him pulling it off, like practice like a week ago, stuff like that. That would have been huge. Yeah. But like you said, like for being for this whole thing being thrown together, it was fine. I watched it all. Yeah. And I think in my opinion, the some people don't agree. I think the All-Star game was a lot of fun just to watch. Uh, it's always fun to see these players here mic'd up and like see them like making jokes with each other and it's, I always find that fun and just having fun in the game throwing oops. Chris Paul, Steph Curry caught alley oops. That was fun. And Giannis shot 16 for 16. There was the Steph and or Stephen Lillard back-to-back half-court shots. So I thoroughly enjoyed those. I could just wish I if all five of them could have just shot half-court shots the whole game, that would have been fine. It, I I wanted to see more uh, Jokic. That was my issue. There was not enough Jokic. <laughs> I think he ended with like five points. What the hell? He's well, not he, really built for like all yeah. stuff. Really? Yeah, I know that, but you give him the ball. He can handle the ball. We all know that. Let him, let they, him go up the length the, of the court, do the his players, little, do the his players, little shimmy thing. The players know what the fans want to see, and I'm sorry, Donovan, but I would much rather watch. Oh, the Steph. fans want to see Jokic. No. We want to see oh, half-court shots. Everyone, who doesn't like Jokic? I would rather watch a half-court shot and Chris Paul catch an alley-oop. I very We've much seen. enjoyed Luke, or I'm sorry. I very much enjoyed Jokic in this because there was a funny video of him dancing on the bench. That yes. was that was a great see? video. See? Everyone loves Jokic. But um, on the court, I'd prefer to see Damian Lillard hitting half-court yes. shots. I love Jokic. I just don't – I'd rather watch – the three-point <laughs> shooters score from 85 yards away. Look, I agree with you. The half-court starts are fu- shots are fun. We've seen this before. This happens every year in the All-Star game. Dame and Steph, they both pull up from half-court. Let me see Jokic just try and do something crazy. We know he can. What, <laughs> shoot a three-pointer because that's you know, not happened before? Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't see a little more Zion. Yeah, we'd yeah. See he, got the, he got the starting nod because of uh, Embiid and Simmons. Yeah, he. I thought he was going to throw down some crazy dunks when I saw he got the starting nod. We didn't get a whole lot from Zion. His first All-Star game, maybe he was a little, a little nervous. Potentially, potentially. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was the other thing. Embiid and uh, Simmons, they were ruled out of the All-Star game because yeah. of uh, – because of contact tracing, because they, uh, a barber they had, uh, uh, I guess, gave them co or they got COVID. So, yeah, they, they never, uh, like, I don't think they ever contracted it, but, you know, they, based on the protocols, they had to sit out for that. Yeah. And didn't, yep. uh, I don't think Booker played either. Yeah, that was the other one. Mike, we saw Mike Conley step in. Yeah, Mike Conley got a nod. I didn't. I didn't really see him much in the game, but still, I mean, it was his first ever All Star appearance, so I'm happy for him. Even though there might have been a couple other more deserving guys, you look at. I mean, he was there. Yeah, he was. The, he was doing the three point. Like who? True. Who are the other guys? Well, I 
was thinking maybe like a Jamal Murray or an Ingram or a DeMar DeRozan, but yeah, fair. Yeah, but still, I I had fun. I had fun watching it, and Giannis was the first ever uh, player to go perfect shoot a hundred percent with ten at least ten attempts. Yeah, I, I mean, did he shoot any threes though? He threes did, yeah. And it was funny because he was like really? for eleven, and he went up and pulled up for a three. And I think it was Reggie who was screaming, "No, no!" because he wanted to say perfect, and they banked it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yeah, that that was fun. All right, uh, that was a good conversation. Let's go to uh, this week in football. Obviously, not a whole lot middle of the off season. Uh, we already talked about franchise tag, but let's talk about the two signings. Um, the two the two extensions, I should say. Let's first start with uh, linebacker for the Bucks, Levante David. He re-signed a uh, two-year, $25 million extension. Ben, let me start with you. Was this a good signing? Was this a good contract? And uh, was this good for both sides? Yeah, I think so. I think Levante David is perfect for that defense, and he's not – there's not a lot of other teams. He's going to find a place where he can have as much success because there's also a lot of talent around him. And I think it's great for Tampa if they can still hang on to Shaq Barrett. I think that's big too. You could argue all day long about which one's better, but I think, I think they would rather just have both in general. So yeah, I think it was a good deal. I mentioned this earlier. This is a team that not that their offense doesn't have great players and pieces, but they thrive as well in their defense. They shut down Kansas City. They uh, held Rodgers through the first half to very, very little. Rodgers had a good third quarter in that game, but the first, second, and fourth was not special. And then they basically shut down all Saints quarterbacks except for Jameis Winston for one throw in the divisional round. So this team is uh, special on defense, and I think it's a good deal as long as I can bring back Shaq Bear as well. Agreed. Yeah. Colin. Yeah, I, I think I, – I mean, both sides definitely want it. He's 31 years old now. Um, you said it was a two-year $25 million? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely could have gotten a better deal, but he wants to win another Super Bowl. He loves playing for Tampa, obviously. And – yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm, he's making good money still, and it leaves the door open for a Shaq Barrett signing potentially. So I like it for both sides. A, spe- a little more on the Buccaneers side because I think he definitely could have gotten more money elsewhere. Yeah, I I agree for the most part. This was a pretty even signing. I just think you could have gotten a lot more. $12.5 million a year. Trust me, that's a good, that's a good day's work. He's 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 an easily top ten. You can make the case for top five, and you could arguably make the case he's the best linebacker on that team. Um, but I think I think you could have gotten a little more. But I think this sets the linebacker market as a Bills fan. Uh, this was actually very good for me because uh, the Bills are trying to restructure Matt Milano's contract. He's a very important piece to that uh, Bills defense. So seeing a guy like Levante David get 12 and a half, uh, Milano going to probably get somewhere around that eight to $9 million range, which is, uh, is very helpful for us. So I, I look at it in that way. 
But the uh, the big news, the big news from the NFL this this week was the um, Dak Prescott signing. Finally, it's been like three years in the making. It feels like it feels like it's been forever. But um, Dak Prescott finally got paid four years, a hundred and sixty million dollars. Dak, go get paid. Uh, 40 million a year, a $66 million signing bonus. Let me, let me repeat that. $66 million signing bonus to go along with his $9 million salary this year. Dude's getting paid $75 million this year. Congratulations, Dak Prescott. So, I, I mean, that, I, I, you guys. I know. love the signing. I yeah. love it. Dak deserved it. Um, I felt so bad for him after he got injured. I was worried he might lose out on some money. Um, that's a good contract for both sides, I believe. Um, now, one thing, though, Dak definitely did deserve this money based on, you know, how he's been playing the past couple of years. He's the face of that franchise, and he was a steal in the fourth round, but he's not the fourth-round pick anymore. You know, he – I think this just adds more pressure – and more expectations because Dak is the guy he's getting paid to be the guy to win playoff games. You know, I can't have these eight and eights and obviously it's not his fault. If they go eight and eight next year, probably be because the defense is not very good, but where's this same energy towards Kirk cousins. Listen, I'll let you continue. No, no, no. I'm not a Kirk hater. I, I think I know. I'm, I'm speaking more to the people in general because I, know that football is a team game but yeah continue. but Dak just has that additional pressure now and you know they're gonna have to win playoff games or he's gonna get criticized um he definitely deserved the money but there's just you know yeah no uh he he definitely deserved that money um as you mentioned but he he needs to win playoff games and we know the uh the NFC East is now very winnable, uh, especially out of the the what the seven and or the uh, yeah the seventy nine uh, Washington Football Team champions. I think that was right. Um, the thing yeah, is with seventy nine, right? The thing with Dallas is they have the best quarterback in the division, and with the best quarterback, no matter even if like Washington's defense is better, Dallas is always going to have a shot in every game because they're going to have the quarterback advantage in all six games. And quarterback is the most important. If you have that advantage, you're always going to have a shot in every game. And Dallas has a talented roster in general. So they could go eight and eight, but they're also going to have as good of a chance as ever. I don't think it's a, I don't think anyone would disagree with you that Dak is by, is clearly the best quarterback in that division pending yeah. if Washington were to somehow get like a stud, but I don't see that happening. No, yeah, you're right. They are in this easy division, easier division, and it just puts a lot of pressure on Jerry and that front office to get it right with the defense and put together a playoff roster because I think if they're able to do that, their uh, window to win football games, playoff games, is in the very near future. So they, I think they have that offense pretty much figured out. They got to get the defense now. They got to have a good offseason and – go win that very winnable division i'll be i'm being i don't want this to be like a loser's mentality but it's almost probably better that 
they didn't end up winning that division because they were in it until week 17. But we all know they weren't they weren't competing for a championship. And now that pick is is going to be like five, six, seven picks higher than what it would have been had they been a first-round exit. Probably even more picks than that. And that could end up being a star player that helps fix that defense, which is going to be big for them. So Yeah, just look, I, just look I, at the Eagles. The Eagles – the Eagles were in it to week 16, and yeah. now they have the sixth overall pick in the draft. And that's that because that as well, that's going to potentially be a weapon for Jalen Hurts if they go someone like Waddle or Jamar Chase at that pick. So, like, not to sound like a loser, but neither of those teams are competing. And it's good because they got, oh, your, your young players got a lot of experience playing in pressure games. They were in it for 16 weeks, but in the end, it's, it's going to turn out better for them in the long run. All right, and I think that's going to wrap up uh, this week's episode in uh, Tub Talks. Or, uh, I shit, I messed that up. Uh, that's going to wrap up. <laughs> oh that's going to wrap up this week in sports. Just leave that in. Just leave that in. Uh, this is going <laughs> to wrap up this week in sports and this episode of Tub Talks. Thank you all for listening. I need to learn how to speak. I hope you have a good rest of your week and this is march go watch college basketball be sure you go get some fresh air yeah yes get nice also like subscribe all that shit i don't i can't fucking <laughs> stop it stop it, stop it.